Hi, this is Mia. And this is Tina. And you're listening to Yeah, No. A podcast about having a business at the intersection of design and healthcare. Cool. Hey, Yeah, No peoples. We're in season four and we want to thank you for joining us on this wonderful journey. If you haven't yet, please consider subscribing to us. We love that you listen, but subscribing will help us more than you'll ever know. Regardless of which method you use to listen to your podcasts, please, 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 please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you and we want to know what's working, what's not. You can also drop us a line at our website, yeahnopodcast.com. But if all that's too much, we get it. The smallest contribution is subscribing. Thanks again for listening and we intend on delivering a kick-ass fourth season for you. Oh, I sang top that. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? Sorry. Gosh, Look, bring back the Tina I know. You know why? It's because it's an early one. In the morning, in, I have to like, I have to sing talk to make me feel like I'm awake because I'm not really awake. Wow. You're like yeah. Liza Minnelli. Yeah. I'm just like Liza Minnelli. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? Uh, good. Today we're going to be speaking with a friend of the podcast, Zev Newworth. And Zev is at Atrium Health, which is in my hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina. He Woo-hoo. is the senior medical director of population health there. And he's also written a book called Reframing Healthcare, A Roadmap for Creating Disruptive Change. And he's a physician. He also has a podcast. Oh, we love this podcast. Creating a New Healthcare. Yeah. He has a podcast called Creating a New Healthcare, and there's so much to talk with him about, and we are birds of a feather that flock together, Yep. and uh, kindred spirits. It was hard for us to choose what to talk to him about because there was so much. I know. Today, we're going to talk about rethinking metrics, so trying to figure out how to incorporate new metrics along with the existing metrics that are oftentimes validated through clinical trials. There was a list in his book. It was titled, Think About Some of the Things That Help Us Strive and Thrive. And we really love this concept because it is uh, this other area around metrics that we've been interested in, which is the quality of life measures, because patients don't always measure if things are getting better based on health outcomes, for example, that we care about other things. That's right. Um, People care about other things. So this list is called Think About Some of the Things That Help Us Strive and Thrive, and it goes like this. Anything that makes us or saves us money or time or energy, physical and emotional energy, anything that brings us closer to friends and family, anything that contributes to a perceived sense of prestige and self-image, Anything that relieves us of stress, anxiety, pain, or infirmity and allows us to focus on other interests, activities, and people. Anything that brings us joy, laughter, happiness, and emotional fulfillment, which I love. Anything that makes us more effective or efficient in our activities of daily living or our work as well as recreational endeavors. So this is a list of basically what people care about. Yeah. And and when, you know, where it's going to get really powerful is when we can connect the health outcomes with these things that help people strive and thrive I think so yeah you bring down your a1c but you're also able to spend time with your family 
And it's just a shame right now because most doctors don't ask about any of those things. That's right. right. And it's great to be thinking about how can we, as you're saying, integrate these more where it's not just about a metric that's clinically valid, but also a metric that's emotionally valid. That's right. Let's call Zev. Let's call him. Seven. Should I um, read his phone number out loud so that everybody can get it? <laughs> <laughs> Please call him. Hello. Hi, Zev. It's Hi, Tina Zev. and Mia. Hey, how are you guys? Good. How are you doing? Good. It's so exciting for us to talk to you because we've been fans of your podcast, Creating a New Healthcare, for quite a while. So we've heard your voice. And so we feel like we know you probably more than <laughs> you feel like you know us. But. So we're so excited to have you on, Yano. We'd love for you to give your own introduction, and then we can start with some questions. Okay. So I'm a physician. I trained in internal medicine and practiced for nearly 20 years. But my real focus, uh, the focus of my career, has really been almost from the beginning, uh, which is about 25 years ago, really trying to humanize healthcare. And so I started out as a medical educator teaching physicians and uh, then began to work with healthcare teams and then got into leadership and then process improvement and then innovation and working with large populations of patients to really change care. And now I'm uh, sort of back almost where I started from. And I would say the theme of my career, which is around really transforming healthcare. And that's, that's actually uh, my official role and title right now. Great. Fantastic. Tell us a little bit about how you kind of got here. I mean, did you think when you started out that this is where you ultimately wanted to be? Can you tell us if there was an evolution through your career? Gosh, for some reason, I was thinking about this over the weekend, which tells you what a geek I am. You know, it really started in my residency training. I went to University of Pennsylvania for medical school, and I was at, you know, one of the best medical centers in the country, if not in the world, and just in awe of the, the medical science and the technology and the life-saving work. And at the same time, I remember even as a third and fourth year medical student, really being appalled by how people were being treated, not as patients, but as people in the healthcare setting, mm. whether it was in the ambulatory setting, whether it was in the hospital, in clinics. And and, and again, it's not a knock on, on, the, on the physicians or nurses or PAs or, or techs or, or support staff. They're trying their hardest. And in fact, I think the system is is not is not humane for for anyone, including the people who are trying to serve within it. Right. And I just I you know I just it was it was incident after incident, and you you have to you have to almost go out of your way to be human in the system. And and I think I think most people do, and that's why there's so much burnout in healthcare. But I, I observed this as a student. I, I observed it in my training as a resident uh, at Mount Sinai, in New York City. And then I observed it when I was an attending physician, and it was really, it was really in the first year when I once I was done with training, I could sort of lift my head up, you know, because training is so brutal. But once I was able to look around, I just said, this is not the way we should be treating people. We're not listening to people. We're not recognizing the context of their lives. 
we're, we're asking them to bend around healthcare rather than healthcare bend around them. And, and that's really, you know, early on in the first couple of years of my career that I couldn't shake that observation. And it, it literally just completely changed the trajectory of my career. The system is just not designed for empathy or respect or dignity or ease of use. In fact, I was just listening to a talk this weekend on YouTube from a physician from Jefferson Health, and he had a great slide in this talk, and it was healthcare is the black hole of human-centered design. And I, I think I, I've never heard that quite said that way, but it really, really feels hmm. that way. Yeah. Speaking of human-centered design, I mean, of course, you know our backgrounds, we're designers. How did somebody like you, a physician executive, get interested in design? Where did design come from for you? It, it, it was, again, it's it's such a long multi-year, multi-even decade journey. But, you know, I started out thinking about uh, quality and, and, and medical quality and then process improvement. So I spent quite a few years in, in the, the lean theater production system process improvement world and uh, did a lot of work, uh, I would say, improving the processes of healthcare delivery. But as I was doing that and we were tweaking the process, there was something that was just missing, a piece of it was missing. And it, it was, you know, it was definitely about efficiency, but um, but that sort of, that notion of, uh, and I think this is actually really the core of, of, of the Toyota production system, the, the, the folks that created it, I think they, they wanted design embedded in it, but it, it wasn't translating. And I just felt like we were we were kind of still not designing for humans. And then I, I to be you know very very transparent about it, I was talking to my sister about this. Her name's Esty Newworth, and she's at Kaiser Permanente. And she actually was a sociologist and got a doctorate, and then did a postdoctorate at Berkeley and got into healthcare. And she brought this science of of sociology and ethnography and and you know, sort of applied anthropology. And, and she and I were talking, and this is years and years ago, and she started to sort of share this world with me. And I started to read about it and, and you know, this kind of design and human-centered design and empathy mapping and ethnography. And, and I started to bring in consultants actually where I was uh, in Boston to actually help us look at the uh, experience from the perspective of the person or patient and their family. And my first kind of in-depth exposure was we actually hired a crew of ethnographers, video ethnographers, and they literally flew out. They brought their equipment, and we we wanted to record the experience of an older person as uh, as they've left the hospital. And so we literally videotaped uh, their experience, of course, with their permission, in you know kind of the discharge from the hospital, what that experience was like. And we went into their home literally the day they got home from the hospital and interviewed them in the home and followed them up for a few days. We went to some folks who were uh, sent from hospital to nursing home. We went into nursing homes in Boston and interviewed them and videotaped them. And we gathered all of this information and we had sort of a war room um, and we created different uh, types of personas and, and, and sort of uh, we had six or seven different types of older person in their experience and we wrote stories about it i mean this was a you know probably took us a few weeks to put this together but that was my first in-depth exposure to to oh my god this is you know we've never talked about this we've never i mean the things the ahas and the learnings you go through when you actually pay attention to the experience of people in healthcare right i mean 
Thank you, first of all. I, I really appreciate the difference between process improvement and quality excellence and human-centered design because I think in healthcare, oftentimes they get very confused. People think about it as looking at, you know, looking at people's needs, but I just think they're slightly different. I mean, you guys are obviously the experts in design, and I'm very much a student. I'm, I'm not a professional, not an expert in design, but for me, it starts with what is it that the, the other person really wants and needs, and how do we know that, and then how do we make it easy and simple? How do we make the experience so seamless, so frictionless, so free of frustration? And this is where I think design, for me, is, is almost transcendent. It's really about the human spirit. I mean, this is not about just process and time and efficiency, yeah. you know, and cutting out waste. This is really about treating people as human beings, really understanding and respecting the, the thing that is probably the most important to us, the most valuable thing we have, which is our time and our attention and our energy. And, and things that are not designed well, things like in healthcare that are designed poorly, actually sap your energy. They take your energy away from you. Things that are designed well, they give you energy. I, I don't even understand it, to be honest with you. I just know and from personal experience and from talking to hundreds and hundreds of people who do this work and, 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 and you know, listening to customers in healthcare for decades, that that's, that's just true. And so it, it is, you know, to your point, it's a subtle difference, but it's not a subtle difference. It's, it's makes all the difference in the world. Right. We all know this, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think inherently. And it's it's hard to be able to qualify those things sometimes, right? But you just know, as you're saying, I think that it leads us right into one of the things that we wanted to talk to you from your book. Uh, your book is called Reframing Healthcare, A Roadmap for Creating Disruptive Change. It's fantastic. And you talk a lot about the different kind of stages or, or ways in which we can really think about reframing healthcare. And, and one of the lists, which you have a few of in your book that are great because it just helps to kind of distill down some of the thoughts, is a list of ways in which we can strive and thrive. And uh, some of these emotional kind of connections or emotional aspects in which you're connecting with something, whether it be a product or experience or or another person for that matter, those things are critical and oftentimes are not integrated with some of the conversations with doctors. And just wondering what made you come up with that list and you know, how do you think that it can be integrated a little bit more into some of the kind of more clinical metrics that are being mm -hmm. used? Yeah, it's a great question. And oh God, I, I think we could spend so much time on that. And I think it deserves the time just because it's it's so unrecognized so you know whenever you love something you know I'm in healthcare I love healthcare my colleagues love healthcare we're passionate about it we're passionate about medicine and medical care and clinical care the science of it the application of it so that's great and wonderful the downside or the shadow side of that is that we begin to forget that it's not about that in general people people don't care about our features. I mean, unless they're in, into healthcare as well, people just want to live their lives, right? They have jobs they have to do. They have families they have to take care of. They have relationships, they have responsibilities. They have higher callings. They have hobbies and passions and interests. I mean, they want to live, right? They want to live their life and, and all those facets. That's what they care about. It, 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 often when they come to us, 
it's because something's getting in the way. They're sick, they're fearful, they're anxious, they're not feeling well, uh, they're in pain. That's why they come to us. Their interest isn't, isn't in healthcare or even in health, and I'm not sure it, it has to be. Their interest is in their life. Right. And so, you know, if we, if we don't recognize that, if we don't begin to ask, well, you know, what is it that you really want? What is it that this is stopping you from doing? We we could really miss the mark. Uh, you have a actually a great example in your book that's kind of similar to that, and I'd love to talk a little bit more about it. You were mentioning a use case where, you know, one of the clinical metrics of a patient being discharged from the hospital is that they are getting up and walking around outside of their you know hospital beds um, I can't remember exactly what disease data might be but you were mentioning how you know only by talking to patients did they realize that patients didn't actually get up and walk around because they thought it might be against hospital rules yes. and right. I just I thought it was just such a simple thing right, right? and and I, I loved that because the feeling that you're breaking a rule is an emotion right you shy away from that and I'm just curious I mean why do you think doctors shy away from these kind of emotional oriented or, or really thinking mm -hmm. about you know what might be driving a behavior or a decision yeah so so that just to give credit to where credits due, that work was uh, done I actually think that came from an interview I did with uh, one of the folks at the University of Pennsylvania or Penn Med this is their innovation team and their behavioral economics team they were trying to figure out why were patients, uh, you know, not walking around enough? And, and if you walk around as a patient, you know, after surgery or even, you know, just being in the hospital in general, you, you maintain your muscle mass, the circulation, you prevent a lot of problems and you can actually get out of the hospital sooner. So it's just it's the right thing to do. And they couldn't understand what was going on. And, and so they actually, all they did was they went into the hospital and they started talking to patients. And what they found- <laughs> Again, that magic that, thing, right? <laughs> right, it's so, it's, so, it's, so, it's so bizarre. I mean, they literally, it's all they did. And, uh, you know, but these are the experts, right? So they went in, they, they, they observed patients, they, they saw patients weren't getting out of bed and they weren't walking outside of the room. And they said, hey, what's, what, why is that? And, and literally what the patient said is, they were just under the impression in order to be a good patient, right. they had to stay in their beds, which was, <laughs> right. you know, and no one ever, no one told said them, to them that, right? Right. And yeah. so, you know, there's so many rules, which, and, and by the way, that speaks volumes, right, to sure. the whole thing. It's like, I mean, there is almost this sort of like prisoner mentality, right? right it's like yeah. you're, you're in this house and you have to abide by the rules. And again, they're just trying to do the right thing and listen to their doctors and nurses. And, and, and you asked about the emotion part, which again, you know, is so, so deep and so, so important. This is the thing, this is why I wrote the book. We, we need to adopt what I call a marketing mindset, this sort of consumerist orientation. And, and that whole field, that whole world, okay, it understands, it's one of the key tenets, is that people buy things, people use things, people keep on coming back to things, whether it's services or products or whatever experiences, because of the emotion that's derived, okay? People do not do things largely because of the rational mind. And that's the thing about healthcare, we haven't realized that, and, and really, at least not as a system. And to be really, really honest about it, and again, I've, I've heard a few doctors recently talk about this, it's not the individuals. The individuals who go into healthcare, the vast, vast majority are unbelievably good. Not, not only are they bright and hardworking and, and all that, but they are absolutely passionate about helping people. 
And you go through the training that you go through, through medical school and residency and fellowship, and you literally get all of that stuff burnt out of you. You get the creativity burnt out of you. You get the passion burnt out of you. You get the empathy burnt out of you. And it's not their fault. I mean, yeah. now I will say this, observing generations and generations of physicians, I think a lot of physicians, the most, and nurses, I would say the same thing, they recover from it. They, they have to rebuild themselves, mm. if you will. But it, it takes years and there's tremendous suffering in it. And so I think we, we need to really, you know, really reframe. That's why I wrote the book. Yeah. We need to reframe healthcare from this marketing, you know, consumerist mindset. But it isn't what people don't understand is, and, and you guys obviously get it because you're professionals. This is not about selling stuff. Right. This is, this is about really understanding how people think, the human condition. I mean, that's what it's really about. And we need to reinsert that into healthcare delivery because it's really become a machine, which is not what it should be. Yeah, that's right. Fantastic. Well, Seb, we want to thank you. We're coming to the end of our time here. We want to thank you for being on our podcast. It's really fantastic to talk to you. I know we have... We could probably chat for hours. So, <laughs> so, um, but, and I feel like every time we do, we're always kind of like, there's more to talk about there. But, uh, but I think I, I feel like maybe we just need to hold a joint conference yeah. or something and get all of our oh. the people that we know and have some sort of <laughs> design and healthcare. It would be amazing. Conference. Uh, let's, let's do that. Yeah. I, I think that is a great idea. And I just want to say, I, I, I was so excited to to meet you guys. I, I think the work you're doing, um, I think in the past, it's it's not really been understood how important it is, but there's so much research and so much science now demonstrating that design and human-centered design has got to be a core capability in healthcare right now. And so I'm just excited for where we are, and, and I'm, I'm hoping that it's recognized more and that the work and expertise and experience and wisdom that you guys have accumulated is really a- adopted into healthcare more. So, so let's continue the conversation. I really like this conference idea. Let's let's follow up on that. Yeah, let's do that. That'd be great. Uh, we were really glad to meet you as well, and I think that it's it's fantastic. Your book is great. We encourage everyone out there to to pick it up. It, it's really uh, organized really well. The sequencing of it is smart, and uh, it says you know shows a lot of kind of examples and case studies of of some of the things that you're talking about so everybody should definitely go and get yourself a copy and and take a look through yeah thank you so much zev for being on our podcast oh my god thank you guys talk again soon (laughs) talk soon bye 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 a great conversation that was such a good conversation I mean we could talk for hours and hours and hours I know I really do feel like we kind of just need to sit in a room and talk about stuff because it really it's like every time we talk to him we kind of say oh we need to talk more about that later I know one thing that I've been feeling lately is that we're all on the same team like we all want to have the shared goals and where I feel like the scramble has been is in how do we approach it and when do you apply certain things like human-centered design? When do you apply things like quality improvement? When do you apply things like user experience or UX research to your project? What I don't know is it is it in the gold definition that you would figure out what's the best approach? Should we all be working together in concert to say, you need all three of these things at different stages? 
uh, or you know how do you, how do we make sense of it? Because there's so many different I think approaches and methodologies floating around. I, I don't think that anybody's going to argue that we want to improve healthcare for the better to help people moving forward. Yeah, like you were saying, I love Zev's term of adopting a marketing mindset, and I wonder if he probably has to defend that a bit because. I think a lot of people's immediate thought is, oh, why are you trying to sell people on That's stuff? Right. It's health. It's health. You know, health care should be a right and all these kinds of things. And I love how he kind of makes it much more kind of specific is that we consume things. We attach ourselves to things. We remember yeah, things we memories. because they are they create emotional attachments. And that's what marketing does. Right. So thanks again, Zev. Thank uh, you, that Zev. was a fantastic conversation, and we really appreciate it. Be sure to check out Dr. Newart's book, Reframing Healthcare, and listen to his podcast, Creating a New Healthcare. It will change your mind about a lot of things. If you are interested in telling us more about what kind of guests you might want to have on the podcast, please feel free to leave us a review or shoot us an email. You can find us on the web and on Instagram at yanopodcast.com. And this episode was produced and edited by Tori Flack and recorded in Brooklyn here at Figure 8 Studios with Michael P. Coleman. If you like our music, I'm trying to shoot <laughs> something new. Maybe if you new. don't enjoy the yeah. music. <laughs> Blame Chessmith. <laughs> <laughs> We're reframing a little bit. Sorry. Bye.